Welcome to Black Armada Tales, an actual play podcast. My name is Sue Elliott, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm playing the sidekick. Hi, I'm Becky Anderson, my pronouns are she, her, and tonight I will be playing the archetype of the artist. Hello, I'm James Torrance, my pronouns are he, him, and my archetype is the zealot. Howdy, doodly do. The name's Josh. Josh is the name. Tech is the archetype. Would anybody like any toast? My pronouns are he, him. <laughs> Hi, I'm Nick Bate. My partner just came home and is opening drawers and closets and closing curtains in the background. <laughs> so uh, let's just give me 30 seconds. <laughs> I'm reminded here of, uh, I was recently reading some anecdote, you know, probably third hand. I think Nicholas Mayer, who directed the better Star Trek movies, apparently talked about how he got good performances out of William Shatner. And he said the trick was on the first take of any given scene, Shatner would massively overact. And so just to a load of takes of each scene until Shatner eventually got bored and just for variety gave more moderate performances and those are the ones they used. Now what we're seeing here is we're going big on the second loop, but by the time we get to the fourth or fifth loop... Now I'm... I'm oh, no, I can't do Shatner. <laughs> Hi, I'm Nick Bate. Uh, my pronouns are still he, him, uh, and I am absolutely, definitely still the hack. And we're playing Rise and Fall by Elizabeth Lovegrove. So I was I was wanting to see the black marketeers that we we saw or whatever the appropriate term is mutual aid organization and I want to see how they or you know the descendants of that organization a year or two down the down the line um, seize control of the mission control center that we saw operating the artificial sun now possibly at this point the mutual aid organization has now merged with the Sliders and Threaders organization. Maybe Threaders organization was in the last scene already synonymous with the mutual aid organization. I don't know. That's your problem. <laughs> Is that cool? What's the question? How does the mutual aid organization seize control of the mission control facility that controls the artificial sun? Who should be in the scene? Uh, let's have a sidekick. The hack and the tech. Okay. Well, I want Sue to play the shop assistant. Oh, what, Hilda? Hilda, thank you, yes. Yeah, that sounds good. I feel like Hilda should have become some sort of resistance. Second in command. Yeah. Ass kicker. Ass kicker, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Do we want to portray this from both sides of the curtain? As in, somebody's playing the baddies in the control centre and somebody's playing the goodies that that way of doing it or do we want to play it completely one-sided or maybe even like just do a planning session where we describe what we're going to do and not actually play through it <laughs> planning a heist i feel like this is much as i love a planning scene it's a it's an answer to a slightly different question unless we do something tricky like that would be the answer to, to how did the organization plan to seize control i suppose so you could literally just wrap it up with a thing going, well, that went well. And it worked. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, mean, I, I, think... I, I, I would be perfectly satisfied with that as a question asker. On the other hand, you know, if we wanted to actually see the action, I mean, you know, I guess it's tradition in heist movies that one only sees the plan described if the plan then fails. But this is, you know, role-playing games of their own unique art form. 
we could even do a debrief or we could do a seminar in which somebody describes what happened on that day. There's all sorts of silly <laughs> things we could do. Yeah. And the, the rules do kind of encourage that. You can approach the answering the question in whatever way you want, you know. The same with interpreting the archetypes is just there's no limit to how you want. If you can explain it, then that's, you know, go for it kind of thing. I bet we can explain any old shit. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Play a mini game of stealing the control room. <laughs> okay, so you're going to play Hilda. Yes. Tempted to play garbage again. I think... So I've got two choices, and I can't decide which. Um, either I play Takach again, who was the, the bearded older man who yeah. met Hilda. Yeah. Or I play Gravis, who murdered... Debbie, Ooh. and has subsequently switched sides. Anyone have a preference? Probably Gravis, for drama <laughs> purposes. Okay, yeah, I'll play Gravis, whose description just says small and quiet and fast. <laughs> Are you garbage? I so am. <laughs> well, I like the idea of this being a planning session, you know, low, low light over the top of a, a round table with, you know, some squared paper and marker pens. Oh, I want um, garbage to display a 3D projection of the, the control room and its surrounding rooms. It can be sit, sits in the centre of the table like one of those stupid little spider phone things. <laughs> That's more appropriate, I think, for the setting, isn't it? Of white marker pens. Yeah. Yes. Got one in each. Um. Uh, I think so in this darkened room it's probably not just the three of us there's probably a a group of people I would guess yeah makes sense yeah and so I think Gravis is probably standing at the at the outskirts of this you know probably leaning up against the wall in the shadowed part of the room present but separate okay so Garbage's little projector shoots up the big display of the control room we can see uh, the shape of the control room itself and also surrounding corridors kind of displayed out in the air above the table and garbage's voice says okay ladies and gentlemen here we have the projection of the control room building and surrounding corridors each of you has been furnished with a light pen Please use the opportunity to scribble all over my design. I just love it when you do that. <laughs> Don't be shy. So I want to stress to everyone here that we won't have an opportunity like this again. They're expecting their regular supply. Security has been cranked up a lot over the last few weeks. If we can't get through those doors, then the plan switches and we are aiming to just... You know, the detonators are in there. We're just aiming to do as much damage as possible. Is that understood? Does everyone understand what they're sacrificing here? I think grave faces all round and, and uh, <laughs> serious nods. Is this the mutual aid organization's first major thing, or have, have there been fights previously? What I'm trying to gauge is if Gravis thinks this is actually going to work, or if it's a, a bunch of Mickey Mouse traders... I think it's uh, it's been low level sabotage okay. before. This is, I mean, they've they've skipped a few steps. 
<laughs> They've just gone straight for crazy plan number one. So, cool. um, so well, I think Gravis speaks up and says, you know, if they get the slightest hint that something's up, they're just going to shoot to kill. And you're all going to have to be ready to do the same, right? Like, look someone in the eyes, shoot them dead, up close and personal. You realize what you're doing here, right? Well, Gravis, I've handpicked every single person in this room, excluding yourself, obviously, to be part of this mission. I know we perhaps have a different approach to things like this, but I hope that we can cooperate. We all know the risks, and we all know what we have to do. All right, then take me through it again. Let me see if I can poke any holes in it. Garbage projects up um, little blinking red lights onto the existing display and says, here are the recognized security patrol patterns that we discussed earlier, Hilda. Would you like me to project on our planned unit's movements into the building? Yes, please, Garbage. Begin from uh, 0500 hours. Okay, will do. Check this out. So I think we see the the patrols um, doing their regular pattern, and then we see uh, there's their red lights, and then our little green lights. They kind of they just slide in between the gaps, just efficiently dashing across corridors and through areas where there just happens to not currently be anybody, and. As they approach, there's a particular perimeter where you need like a code or something to get through the doors and the lights will approach like this this area and we can see that there are two patrols kind of converging on their location and Garbage will kind of pause the animation and say, this is the point where things get a little bit sticky for our heroes there's a, quite a narrow window for them to take forward the next part of the plan. Hilda, would you like to explain how that works? Yes, thank you, Garbage. You're welcome. <laughs> really reminds me of Borderlands. As you know, we have two contingency plans for this moment. What's meant to be happening is the supply drop-off it commences at the other end of the corridor. This should draw the security away from this crunch point here. It should. If it doesn't seem to be drawing them away, we have a transmitter that can trigger their detectors at the front entrance, which will almost certainly draw them away from our operatives and towards the supplies. If that still doesn't take them far enough away, then we do have the go-ahead to take drastic action. A little display comes up of the little green people going pew, 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 the little red people. <laughs> and little lights are blinking out and Garbage starts playing like cinematic music. <laughs> Gravis kind of grunts from the back corner of the room and says, who's on this crew? This part, this particular part here. It's you, Hilda, yeah? Yeah. And you, and she... He points at some, I don't know, big burly guy. And you and you and how many people? Four people? Something like that? Yeah. So points at those four people and then says, all right, this goes pear-shaped. This goes wrong. Which one of you is going to gun down those guards? 
and he, he looks at them all in the eyes, like trying to get the point across that this is this is the point at which they're going to have to kill someone. I am. Gravis stares at Hilda for a little while, <laughs> and then probably lowers his eyes and says, "All right, and I've got you the passcode to get you through that door." And he pulls a card out of a pocket, like in the in his jacket, and flicks it onto the well, I guess onto the onto garbage. Ooh, a, a tiny little hand pops out of the top of garbage, picks up the card, and then holds it over a scanner, which goes bloop bloop, and garbage goes. Information copied. Thank you very much, Gravis. <laughs> the uh, the card's got bloodstains on it. All right, fine. Okay, you made it through the door. Let's just assume this goes well, all right? So you haven't had to murder anyone just yet. Not yet. But once you're through that door, you're in the secure area. There's cameras everywhere. We're not just talking about a couple of patrols along here. What's the plan? How do you get past those? Well, I I think some of that is your jurisdiction, isn't it, Gravis? What are you going to be doing while we're putting our lives on the line? (laughs) (laughs) Gravis um, says, Hey, I'd come on this thing in a flash, but you're the one who wouldn't have me, Hilda. My work's all pre-work. So, all right, in that crate that you're wielding in there, you've got a bunch of uniforms. Getting those was my job. We're probably going to need someone to stitch up a few holes. How quickly can you get in those things? Garbage, play the camera. And what I'm hoping Garbage will queue up is is like those uh, the, the Metal Gear Solid views of camera, field of view, panning back and forth across the across the view of the complex. Okay, done. So, you know, <laughs> door opens, cameras are all pointing away as you slide on in, and a timer appears in the top corner of the screen and starts counting down the seconds before... <laughs> If I may chime in here, fellas, this is where I come in. See, once the door is open, I can do my my ceiling walk trick, which I'm so proud of. The number of times that that has fooled an unsuspecting human (laughs) just is beyond me why none of you ever look up. Well, I guess you never do, though, so it'll probably work again. And then I will plug myself into this, and he um, highlights on the panning camera, this terminal here, and that should enable me to switch off all the cameras. And you know what? Some of those guns have got some automatic safety mechanisms that I can engage remotely. Uh-oh. <laughs> They're not going to do so well if they can't fire their guns at you. Garbage. Great work, by the way. Can I double-check that you will be initialising stealth mode once we're within the complex? Oh, you don't have to worry about me, Hilda. I won't make that mistake a second time, I can assure you. It was very cool music, but I know now that I shouldn't play it while I'm trying to do the stealth mission. <laughs> Gravis snorts. I will be playing it internally, though. <laughs> okay, so we're in our uniforms. The cameras are off. The security, for the most part, has been disarmed. Those that haven't been disarmed, we know we can we can locate them. Garbage can locate them. Isn't that right, Garbage? Oh, yes. Full information, once I get into that terminal. Of course, if anything should go wrong and people do look up, then that would be pretty bad. But it's never happened before. Nothing's going to go wrong. Look, we've practiced this over and over. Like, we know what we're doing. All right, I've got one more for you. Final stage. Jump ahead garbage to the control room. And when you display the control room that we're going to try and capture, it's probably got... 
a bunch of dots in it from all the people who are working in the control room. Um, and one of them is pulsing particularly red. All right, that one right there. And Gravis points at the pulsing one. Odds are Captain Thaddeus will be on duty when you're doing this thing. That fucker is always on duty. He's not going to stand down. He's not going to fall for this. He's going to recognize in a flash that you're not part of his crew. He knows every single one of them by sight. And he will shoot first. So what's the drill? You're going to walk in the door and just start shooting? There's, there's what, 15, 20 people in there. I think Captain Thaddeus would be a fool to open fire in the central control. We know what the equipment in there is capable of. Yeah, but you don't know what he's capable of. Crack shot. Cold-blooded murderer. Dedicated to his task. Photographic memory. Well, this is where we had to take things a little bit further. Each of us in the control room, our vitals are going to be linked up to these explosive belts that we will be wearing. If he takes any one of us out, the whole place will go up. And we will make that known. He's not going to take that risk. He will hesitate long enough for us to take him out. I think it's probably a long pause. Um, and then Gravis says, well, shit, you sure you don't want me on this crew? Because I'm in. <laughs> Hilda sort of scrutinizes Gravis and then says, Garbage, run the simulation with plus one member of the Alpha team. See if we can make it work. Will do, Hilda. I can program in Mr. Gravis's superior fighting abilities if you would like. Might make a difference. Gravis snorts again. No offence to everyone else in the room, of course. Gosh, I didn't upset anybody, did I? Okay. Once you're done with that garbage, we'll go through it again from the top. Can't wait. I think that's scene. <laughs> <laughs> now we know how it works. <laughs> I love how hardcore Hilda is now. <laughs> yeah, jeez. She ain't no sidekick anymore. <laughs> I always knew that Hilda was going to go that way. <laughs> I see a great, if short, future for Hilda. Oh, <laughs> Mostly involving exploding herself all over Captain Yeah, Thaddeus. good lord. Like, that got away from me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mess with Sue, people. I have an idea for a question. The question is, how do people celebrate the victory at the control centre? It could very easily be a short montage. I like montages. Cool. Okay. And in this scene, I would like to see the artist, the zealot, the sidekick, and the tech. And the hat. Come on, you should be in it too. Yeah, be in it too, man. All right. Okay, fine. I'll be in it too. Can I set the scene? Plus, I would like to set the scene in the control centre with garbage plugged into the main holographic display, which is, like, massive and way better than his own holographic display unit. And he's, like, rigged it up to project a desert island-type scene. So there's, like, palm trees and the sun is shining, like a, a new artificial sun just in this room and a blue sky, and we can hear the sound of the sea lapping against the floor. As long as you don't get too close to it, it looks pretty real. And he's playing 
it like he's he's got everyone to give him his favorite their favorite music tracks and is playing them on a loop. Also, somehow there's a disco ball. Tizer is painting on the walls of the control center shadows of the people who died when the sun went out. One shadow for each person. That's going to take a while. Yeah, a lot of shadows. That's art, man. So I think Councillor Thrive is in the council chamber watching everyone else around the table arguing, screaming at each other as reports are coming in all over the place about this this dreadful takeover that's happened and she's just sinking into her seat a little bit and mentally working out how she can get to her panic room quietly and without being noticed. Um, so Fanta, who, you know, despite being impersonated earlier, uh, still very much alive, and is celebrating by we gathered he's an ex slider, so he's he's hoverboarding around the, you know, surrounding resistance control corridors surrounding the uh the control centre, hoverboarding for the first time in years whilst whooping, and of course inevitably he loses control and sprains one of his aging ankles. But you know, he's he's still uh celebrating. In fact, you know, once um he's been pumped full of the advanced space anti-pain meds he's celebrating even harder than before he loves it nice and i think in the background of each of these scenes you've we've seen snippets of chalet uh filming all of these things as they as they happen probably providing a running commentary while he's doing it and then we jump cut to takach the older man who was setting up trade routes dropping off a crate full of cans sometime later to to a stall somewhere and out of a pouch he uh pulls a bunch of little hollow discs and just kind of sprays them across the the table and says to the to the trader behind the counter recording to the celebrations pass them around and knocks the table and then walks off and i think that's a montage nice that was cool i like a montage i have a question my question is why do ordinary people turn against the regime and begin supporting its overthrow? And I have no particular reason for putting these archetypes in, but I think I'll have the artist, the hack and the sidekick for some reason. Shocked. Well, I think I'll be bringing Tizer back since they are my main artist right now in the full phase. She can do more than just murals, you know. Ish. I was going to say, by the way, this could easily be like another montage, it seems to me. Not trying to tell you what to do, but... Yeah, what do we want to do with the scene? That might help me decide who's who's who the hack is. We could end on that heist, Nick. I mean, I don't want to dangle a temptation in front of your face, but I do. Don't tease me with heists. Don't tease me. <laughs> end on a heist montage, Nick. <laughs> but which so you mean the the heist to steal the triptych yeah is that kind of do we feel like that's going to be a sufficient enough answer to the question i feel like i would posit that the heist and the televisation of the heist shows people the breaking of the power and influence of the sociologists because if anybody can disrespect 
the mural of the great Saint Isaac, then isn't it all meaningless anyway? It's like the stock market, you know, it's just a confidence game. All of this is just a confidence game. So is it going to be like the bit at the end of Bill and Ted where the periodically cuts to audiences around the world um, getting very excited <laughs> about the final song they play? <laughs> Becky has no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> I do. I have seen Bill and Ted, but I don't hold it as close to my heart as you do. They have like a British family who are very clearly British because they're all wearing bowler hats or something, <laughs> um, doing a little dance around their breakfast table, and an Italian family who are all very clearly Italian because they're eating spaghetti or you know it's it's like a little tour de stereotypes of people <laughs> getting excited about rock music. I like that idea. I like the thought that maybe Councillor Thrive has very unwillingly been dispatched with a security detail to try to protect the triptych. If we do do it in heist format, may I suggest that we do it in flashback, Nick? You know, like in when films like um, Now You See Me, which I love so much. It's one of my favourite heist movies, Now You See Me. But it that bit where you show the magic trick being done, but you can't see how it was done, and then you do like a flashback to show how you set it all up. My one question here, though, is are we creating a massive rod for our backs because a, because a well-executed heist in flashback is trickier than it sounds at first, I think. Yeah, are we, are we accidentally slipping in a game of stealing the throne for one scene here? It's a fast game, but it's not that fast. <laughs> as tempting as that is, I already have an idea of how I would flashback this. Okay, well, in that case, who do you need as backup? I had two thoughts about who could be present. One was if, if the if the heist is not... I was thinking about re-injecting Takach into the proceedings because he's not a thief, a slider, uh, you know. And in that version of the scene, that's a different version of the scene, I think. One in, which involves more talking. But the other one is Garbage, who has become a bit of a legend, I think, in the fall phase. Yeah, I kind of want to have Chalet as well. I mean, Chalet is your... Sidekick in all this, right? Is my literal partner in crime. All right, fine. Let's go with Shelley. I'll play Shelley. Where is the Where is the scene? So, my suggestion would be, Sue, can you describe for us Councillor Thrive coming in to the room and nothing abnormal happening? <laughs> and just describe what you see. Have we said what the triptych is? It's like the well, the airlock. Disaster is the third panel, isn't it, I think? Yeah, it's the triptych of, of the, the martyrdom of St. Isaac, right? Yeah. The great sociologist. So it must be in this sort of big atrium that so that the light sort of shines down on the triptych. Thrive comes in looking really sweaty and wide-eyed. She's giving orders to the security detail, saying, okay, you just line up over there. Have you got... Just get someone on the door, will you? Okay, which... Who are your biggest... Who are your biggest ones? Okay, you guys, you stay by me, and you do not leave me alone. All you can hear is the sound of stomping boots on the marble as all the soldiers kind of... As all the security line up around either side of the triptych with two really big guys either side of the counsellor. <laughs> She's not staying in one place. She's she's very nervy. She doesn't really know what to do now. <laughs> she doesn't know what to expect. She's just been sent down here. So the first thing that I think happens is that some of the goons that you've described, Sue, there's a, a, a kerfuffle sound and they come bringing Chalet and 
Tizer into the area with the triptych. They've got them pinned and they're marching them over to you. What, what, what's, what's the meaning of this? We shouldn't have any civilians in here. Who are these people? Who are you? Hey, hey, man! Lay off the VR gloves. That's 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 custom kit. Just just back off, man. I don't know what you're talking about, but this is a restricted area. Tyson will look at her watch and say, "Thirty seconds to go." What 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 are you what are you doing? What are you doing? What's going on? Thirty seconds and the triptych's being airlocked, Councillor. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. No, no. Well, no. That's what is this? No. What are you talking? About? No, you can't do this. You, you, well, you're you're under you're nine, under arrest. These people, you're under eight, arrest. Seven. Stop it. Six, Stop counting. Five. Four. Do something. Three. Two. One. And nothing happens. Oh. Oh, very funny. I see. If this was a movie, the camera would now pan in to a small detail on Triptych that wasn't in the original, because this isn't the original. So, what ridiculous, funny, comedic, rude joke has been hidden in the new Triptych? (laughs) (laughs) Is it algae art? Is it it blooming before our eyes as as the camera pans in? (laughs) Actually, this probably ought to be a callback, shouldn't it? Because callbacks in heists are important. So an algae bloom suddenly happens, and instead of the martyrdom of St Isaac, the algae bloom takes over, and instead there's another picture of St Isaac sitting on the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) That classic piece of slider art. (laughs) Classic slider art. (laughs) In the modern world, Angelina Jolie would be like falling over herself to buy Tizer's pieces. That's how I imagine it anyway. I think maybe the, the camera angle is such that you can see the, the backs of Tizer and Chalet, and Chalet just pumps his fist up in the air as the algae blooms. I think the next thing that happens is that Councillor Thrive, you get a video call on your phone. Do I know who it is or is it just a... Yeah, it's another councillor. Josh, who's the head councillor these days? Matheson. Because you're a sidekick, aren't you, Thrive? I am a sidekick. So it's Matheson. Okay. Okay, okay. Uh, I answer the call. I don't think he speaks to you. I think it just plays a short video clip of the triptych being airlocked (laughs) and the sliders watching it go out into space through the, the little portholes. All like cheering and fist pumping and sliding on their boards. I think Chalet shoves off a burly guard and runs over and looks over Thrive's shoulder at the camera. The, the, <laughs> the video. I reckon the burly guards are probably looking over the shoulder at this point. <laughs> yeah. I reckon half the burly guards probably ought to be sliders at this point. Yeah. <laughs> if not all of them. <laughs> so, and that maybe that's revealed with like a series of high fives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The- and maybe they all start taking off their like um, night vision goggles or whatever, and their balaclavas and stuff. And underneath, they've got like shaved heads, brightly coloured hair, and what you thought was like a bunch of kind of twenty to thirty year old beefy toughs turns out to be a bunch of like sixteen to nineteen year old skinny <laughs> slider kids. I think Thrive just 
looks up and the colour drains from her face. It, whatever colour was left has drained from her face. And she's just looking around. I think Matheson is shouting. <laughs> it's just noise coming out of this video phone. And she just hands the video phone to Chalet. <laughs> just looks completely helpless. Like, hey, Chalet, do you want to pipe that over the tubes? Oh, count on it. it, it yeah, yeah, count on it. Uh, and he uh, slides the phone into a like a socket in a, a bit of equipment that's been hanging around his waist and fires up the VR goggles and goes, yeah, it's streaming. Everyone's watching. Everyone's seeing this. Rad! Suck it, Thrive! Councillor Thrive, I'm really sorry, but we've got a party to go to. Catch you later. <laughs> Do you literally just leave? Like, is that scene? Yeah, I think that might be scene. Well, I feel like Josh needs to declare for scene. We need to keep role-playing like little puppets for his entertainment until he says otherwise, don't we? Is that how it works? I guess just like <laughs> refuse to turn the role-playing off. <laughs> it does feel that way, yeah. More. I think you can hear growing cheering like in real life, like outside of the atrium as well, as more and more of the public actually watch. The, you know, you can actually hear this video spreading amongst the public. I guess when a door opens up as we leave, the shouting gets louder and then it gets quieter again when the door shuts. <laughs> Has Thrive stayed in the room? Thrive's just in the room, completely broken, I think. That sounds like a nice ending to me. <laughs> oh. All we needed was a symbol. It was. Shoved out an airlock. What we needed was a heist. So, I mean, so we don't know if the, you know... It might get more bloody from this point. We've just seen a little bit of uh, of potentially a really long and horrible mm-hmm. fall. Or or indeed the rise of a fresh dystopia. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we're into the aftermath phase, and I'm going to read this out. This phase gives us a series of brief glimpses of life after the fall of the regime. There will be ways that the new world is better than the old, and ways that it is worse. Perhaps some groups of people are better off, and others are worse off. This phase does not explore what happens next, but offers one snapshot for each archetype about what is better or worse in the new world, for one of that archetype's avatars. Think of it like the text at the end of some films, which tells you in one sentence what happens to the characters after the credits rolled. There's four questions. There's two questions for living avatars and two questions for dead avatars. And you just pick pick one of those four questions to answer about one of your avatars. So you can have, what about the immediate post-fall world is harder, scarier, or more difficult for you? How do you take advantage of things you can do now, which you couldn't do before? So those are for living avatars. What would have made you happy about the new world had you survived to see it? And what would have made you despairing about the new world had you survived to see it? So it's just a little a little taste. Does anyone want to go first? I'm trying to remember all my avatars. We only have to do it for one of them, surely. Yeah, I'm just trying to, like, if I don't remember them all, I can't pick the best one. I'm going to go for Debbie. Oh, yeah, Debbie. Debbie. That we we lost in the oh at the beginning of the fall phase, so I think she was really optimistic about the free uncensored sharing of information after the regime fell, but I think 
disinformation is, is absolutely rife and <laughs> still a huge problem even even after the regime has, has gone away so i think she would be despairing about that so we don't create a a scene of any kind here we're just answering the question yeah that was a really good one by the way so given some of our setup I'd, uh, <laughs> uh, that's really excellent yeah so i think I'm going to have my cake and eat it here by having both garbage and, hey, what was the name of my dude who operated the market stall who was Hilda's dad? Uh, Rob, Robert Trawler. Navi. Navi, yeah. Navi, yeah. Yes. So I think uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have two characters and possibly answer two questions. Can't remember what the questions are. It doesn't really matter. There is a whole lot of work to do because of the damage involved in the revolution and the damage in the final days of the regime where they were really kind of not really giving a fuck that much, like letting the sun go out, things like that. And so this is kind of great news for the synths in that they can come out from the tunnels where they've been hiding and live in the light. But it's also a lot of kind of dangerous and quite menial work for them repairing infrastructure and navi gets involved in that too he gets to stop operating a little stall selling tins and act as a kind of foreman for the um synth crews doing the cleanup and repair yeah i kind of want to do too <laughs> <laughs> so i think actually i'm going to pick gravis and i think the thing about the post fall world that's hard for Gravis is that his mm, I kept meaning to write down pronouns didn't write them down for Gravis so I'm going to go with he him and hope I'm right about that Gravis, his role in the revolution that brought it all down is publicly known and he ends up fated a hero like many of the people who participated in that retaking of the sun room but he knows who he was and what he's done particularly to Debbie and he finds that a very difficult role to occupy. It doesn't fit him. And he doesn't know what to do with that. He was a killer. He did bad stuff. And all of that seems to have been forgotten because he, the last thing he did, the last bit of killing he did was on the side that won. Nice. So I guess it's just me. And it's going to be Tizer. Tizer's world is harder after the fall. You would think it would be the opposite because Tizer got what she wanted. She can slide wherever she wants. She can paint algae toilets. But it turns out that when you are a prominent face in the revolution, people expect you to be a leader afterwards. And she has nothing to rebel against now. And it's much harder to build a world than it is to try and tear one down. So life pretty much sucks from her perspective from here on in, even though it's easier for everyone else. I'm so glad you said that because I think Shallow feels exactly the same way. Oh. <laughs> I think he probably does. Oh, man. I feel like we're really telling on ourselves. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no... You can't fool us with the fall of an evil regime. <laughs> oh, it's man. true, isn't it? It's not all just dancing and free biscuits afterwards. So... Can I just say that was a lovely game? Thank you, everybody. It was, yeah. Thank you, and well done, Sue. Oh. Have we said on the podcast before that this was Sue's first ever facilitation of any game ever, and she chose to do it publicly to the world? (laughs) Live on television for your entertainment. (laughs) Because I wouldn't have done that, Sue. Well, it, it was made extremely 
easy by Liz's excellent game writing and examples. So, so yeah, that was fabulous. I really enjoyed that. And well, there's, we, we could talk about all of the many things I enjoyed about it, but I said at the start that I found it, it, it sat weird in my head that, that we're talking about a fall of a dystopia because I think of falls as as things that lead to dystopias, not, not the other way around. But uh, I, I love the way that arc played out. Yeah, super fun. Hey folks, Josh here. Just to let you know that with our Rise and Fall game having concluded, we will be taking a short break and returning in July with a new game of After the War by Jason Pitra and Alistair Stewart. It looks like it's going to be great fun, so please do join us then. Thank you for listening to Black Armada Tales. We've been playing Rise and Fall by Elizabeth Lovegrove, which is part of the Seven Wonders anthology. You can find out more about Seven Wonders on pelgrainpress.com. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast and join us on Twitter, where we are B Armada Tales. If you're struggling to find a pen to write all that down, you can find that information and more in the show notes. See you next time. I got into a little race on Duolingo earlier today. Backstory to which is I'm studying Italian on Duolingo and also on Babbel for our Italian trip. And Duolingo has these little league tables. Mm. You earn XP every time you do like a little bit. Mm -hmm. And the more XP you earn, the higher you get up your league table, and then you can get promoted or relegated. Yeah. Um, so I already got promoted to bronze. I won the bronze league in my first week. Oof, crushed it. Got like nearly nearly double what the nearest runner-up got. And then this week, of course, everybody who is in the silver league, I'm in the silver league, everyone in the silver league are all the SWATs who've already been promoted. So they're all like, boom, 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 boom. And anyway, I... I got a little run going where I earned quite a bit of XP because of like multipliers. They give you multipliers for certain things. I was like, oh, I've got a multiplier. Quick, do lots and lots of learning. And I bumped up to the very top of the league. And then suddenly everyone's like, oh, we'll just do an extra 25 XP to get in front of you. So I was like, okay, well, I'll do an extra 25 XP to get in front of you then. And they were like, oh, well, guess what? You can play at that game as well. <laughs> so it's just this little sort of pathetic frantic doing of language learning to try to stay on top of the league is there any way that you can communicate with any of these people at all send them messages or anything in italian obviously why don't you send them a message on this podcast in case they're listening <laughs> yeah trash talk them josh yeah, josh. yeah josh. <laughs> um i don't know i think you don't even know how to conjugate your verbs Firstly, I don't know if they're actually all studying Italian and suspect that they are not. I think this the league may be for everybody doing language learning of any kind, but I cannot prove this. I don't think there's any way to contact them, but I can give them high fives. I could follow them and then like give them sarcastic high fives, I suppose, <laughs> if I wanted to trash talk them. I don't know how they know it was sarcastic though. Maybe I could I could follow them and then like deliberately wait a week before I give them the high five for something. Maybe that's how they'd know it was sarcastic. You could you could high five them when they lose fall out of the lead. I can't do that, sadly. Oh, I suppose I could just wait at the timing, like 
deliberately high five them just yeah, after when it you, when you leapfrog over somebody give them a high five on the way past <laughs> yeah yeah i could try that how but are you finding it... I, I i didn't find it very useful um yeah no i found it fairly useful it's it's very repetitive and that's I guess kind of a good thing in that there are yeah. certain things that are really like I've repeated to the point where I'm like, come on, yes, of course, it's non e un ragazzo, blah blah blah, so boring. But you are not a girl. You're not a boy. In fact, no, that's not even right. It's uh, he. He presumably he is not a boy, or it could be she. I suppose minus twenty five points to house. Fox. It's a bit. It doesn't explain very much. Yeah. So that was my thing. You have to kind of guess from repeated exposure yeah. how things work. I feel like it was fine for learning vocabulary, but but not for learning grammar or. I mean, I've been picking up grammar a bit through it, but because I'm doing Babel at the same time, mm. and Babel is brilliant. It's a good combination, actually. I, I kind of get. If you want to sponsor us, Babel. Or Duolingo. Or Duolingo. Why not both? It's the combination, really. I, I I think they should get together and like do some sort of joint thing. But yeah, I, I sort of started learning the grammar through Duolingo, through inference, and made quite a few mistakes. And then Babel was like, oh, by the way, if you want to pluralize a male verb, then you should do this. And if you, if it's a yeah, etc. Um, and I was like, ah, ah, that's what it all meant. Now right. I understand why. I was I, for ages. I was like, why is it glee elephanti? What's that all about? And then Babel explained it. And then Babel, yeah, okay, that sounds like the missing the missing link for me. Whereas I really need to get into Duolingo because I just love lists of vocab, and I'm not too worried about finessing the grammar because I'm like. We're only going on a holiday in a couple of weeks. My grammar's now going to be perfect. But if I know all the words for f- all the foods that I might want to eat, then, then I'm good with that. But it isn't perfect for that because to get to the food, you have to do certain basic modules. Mm. And then when you do the food module, it's not just giving you a nice long list of words to learn. That's mm. what I like. I like a nice long list of words to learn. I've been looking at some videos on YouTube that I might... Because Josh and I have a bit of a funny thing with languages, don't we? Have we ever explained this before? Ooh. I don't think so. <laughs> the hilarious thing that we do with languages. It is quite funny, I, I admit. So, I have got... Be- Becky's got a very good ear. She can understand what people say very well, but she struggles to say stuff... Is it like accurately, quickly enough? I'm not sure what what, what so it is that you can't do. two things that I can't do. Under pressure, I find it hard to recall words unprompted. Uh. And um, for Romance languages, Italian, Spanish, French, I struggle a lot with the accent. I can't roll my R's. My mouth just doesn't do it. Whereas at school... What I learned was German, and I enjoyed learning German, and it was easy, and it was mathematical, and it was a fantastic language for me to learn, and I learned German, and I did not learn the others. So I find it very hard to speak, because I can't remember the words under pressure, and because when I can, I can't roll my R's and all that good stuff. Conversely, I am quite good at all the speaky bits. I can pronounce things. If I, I, I think I have a quite uncanny ability to copy uh, the sounds but in a way duolingo is a bit 
like I feel like I'm cheating because they read out the thing to me and then they say now repeat it back to me and I'm like well what's difficult about that <laughs> surely you need me to read the words off the screen don't tell me what it sounds like I'll just copy you uh, but my my hearing is terrible I can't like segment the words it all just sounds kind of like soup right. to me even in a language I'm quite familiar with so we have this funny thing where we'll walk up to like a hotel desk and I will say hello we'd like to book a room for uh, two people please tonight and the person will go blah 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 and then Becky will lean over to me and I will say, then say they don't have any air conditioning in the double rooms are we okay with that and I will say yes that's fine but do you have any towels and then they'll go and Becky will go no they don't and they're looking at us like what the hell is this <laughs> this is like sooty and sweep <laughs> but i think oh that's absolutely charming though yeah. isn't it you're like you're like the binars from star trek <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember that which star trek was that in the next generation they're like a, a race they have to operate in pairs and they yeah they they hijack the enterprise but for kind of good good guy reasons so it's quite interesting i have one recollection of doing this really strongly apart from the hotel example that josh gave but i remember us in i think we were in guatemala no i think we we're in mexico city we were running around we we're in the rose district of mexico city running around trying to find a restaurant that we could go to that didn't require you to wear formal wear because we were not wearing formal wear we were backpacking and every single restaurant we went to, they just kept saying, you're not informed anymore where you can't go in. And then I remember coming to one where they said, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And then I had arranged with them that we would go to a no smoking section and no smoking and no formal sounds like quite similar. And I remember Josh just like turning to walk out of the restaurant and me having to be like, no, no, it's fine. We can come in. They're just putting us in the no smoking section. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but they're coming to order and I'm like this is why I want some quesadilla Josh (laughs) (laughs) together you are one Italian or one Mexican or one we'll see though because I've been practicing all the listening stuff (laughs) and I've not been practicing very much going really hard on that so although I can only do it in the four voices that (laughs) Eurolingo supplies so (laughs) anyway I, I can certainly imagine that there are particular voices that may not work for me but you know that's normal isn't it people probably come to britain and like can't understand you because you've got a local accent that i didn't practice with 